How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, Disney files. Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to elders past and present. Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. But on this show, we'll be breaking each Disney classic down. Hello, hello. Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Will. And I'm Stackers. <laughs> and on this show, we'll be breaking each Disney classic down song by song in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? I like that. <laughs> I don't know. That'll probably really confuse people who have not listened to our episodes before. Um, I, I'm actually stackers. I was just trying to throw well. Mm, yeah, uh, but I am unflappable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, this will this will be strange because if you want us to do all the how you going, how you been discussion, then you'll have to listen to Frozen 2 because we recorded that earlier today and we're releasing these out of order. What joy. Mm. We just both had a Luxa. We're both feeling pretty fulfilled and satisfied, I would say. <laughs> we have a Luxa and a second drink and life is good. Your life is good and life is even better because today we are not alone. We're never alone, stackers. <laughs> today we are very, very excited to have a guest on our podcast today, which we haven't had since The Lion King. It's been a while. Yep. Been a while. Um, what number was like? That was number 23. So yeah. this is episode 34. So 11 episodes ago, we had a guest and Will, would you like to introduce our lovely guest? Yes. Welcome. Lovely guest. That is your name from now. No, no, no. We, we have on the phone, Katie. Katie, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Hi, Will. Hi, Stackers. Hello. Hey, hey, Glad hey. to be here. Glad to have you. Um, it's exciting. We, for, for full disclosure, we're recording with Stackers and I in the same room and Katie from remote, but it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Katie's unfortunately not feeling great and was afraid of her, what do you call it? Your troll voice? Or something like that. I have troll voice. Yeah. But I think you sound great. I so just don't always- like infecting people. It's, it's a fear I got during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's almost like we went through two years of trying to convince people not to infect each other. So... <laughs> <laughs> No, we're really thrilled to um to have you on board. How have you been, Katie? Apart from obviously not feeling super great. Yeah, really good. I feel I feel like twenty twenty three is going to be the one where it actually the year goes the way we think it's going to go. Oh. I'm manifesting it at this point. Jeez. Big call, big call. <laughs> we will revisit this at the that's end of twenty twenty three. That's why Facebook memories always get me because there's one that pops up around about the start of twenty twenty where I'm like, this year is going to be my year. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, it's um, it, I'm uh, fingers crossed that it goes that way, Katie. I'm I'm hoping so. Yeah. So, Katie, do you want to tell us a little bit about you? I'm a Polynesian person. My name is Katie Anitema. I'm half Tongan, half Australian. Uh, my father comes from Tonga, which is one of the countries which is hypothetically uh, represented in Moana. Um, I think it's definitely a film that I feel very connected to and very represented by and also have a lot of opinions of um, as a Disney lover <laughs> and a music lover and a, uh, what's the best word for opinionated person when it comes to uh, issues of, of cultural representation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that's why we invited you. <laughs> um, you mentioned there that you have a, a sort of broader love of Disney as well. Do you want to talk us through that? Like what, what was your Disney experience like growing up? Oh, early 90s, every single one. Yep. Um, musical, better than the non-musical. I definitely a big Disney princess girl. Like yeah. every single one of those big Leah Salonga singing songs. Like oh, that's yeah. what I grew up singing in the shower. So I, you know, I love all of the modern Disney and all of like the way that they're starting to bring in that new music. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like, awesome. I'm very interested to know what the winner is going to be. Well, what, what's your favorite song? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> if you had I, to pick one. Okay. But I reckon it would be like that real emotional reprise from um, Coco. Where he's oh, singing yeah. to grandma oh, because goodness. in terms of like evoking feelings, 10 out of 10. Yeah. yeah. But not just... my favorite to sing, like different categories. <laughs> and it's one of those things where you know it's coming. As soon as he picks up the guitar, you know, like I remember when that movie started and he's like, remember me, remember me. And I was like, this song's actually really sad. Like the lyrics are really sad. I can feel a sad reprise of this coming at some point. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're not here today to dissect um, probably one of the greatest films that Disney ever released, except it's with Pixar, so we're saving it for season two. We are here to dissect Moana. Moana. There is heaps of stuff to discuss on this film. I have... I usually do two pages worth of research on every film. And for this one, I have done five. And in addition to that, we've also got a guest. So I would say let's dive straight into... Hello, Stackers and Katie, and welcome to our Dissecting Disney Drank segment for Moana, where today we are drinking the Pacific Breeze. I see what's happening, yeah. You face to face with greatness and strange. You don't even know how you feel. Now, the Pacific Breeze is equal parts Midori, coconut rum, and vodka. And pineapple juice. Yes, it's really me. It's my All chucked into a shaker with some ice, shaken up and poured out over some ice. Very simple. Hopefully very delicious. Cheers from afar, Katie. Cheers from afar, Katie. Cheers. So excited for this. 
Can I clarify that if this is your second recording for the day, that you're going to be lit by this? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you definitely start to hear it towards the end of Frozen (laughs) 2. Oh, hey. Uh, That is is really yummy. I'm a fan of anything with Midori and anything with coconut rum in it. So, Mm, yep. Yep. Big. Uh, Thumbs up for me. I would drink that. It's no, I think it maybe needs just a little bit more sweetness, but that's just me. I've also just spilt it everywhere, so Miss Scoos will be back in a sec. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to pause for one second, Katie. <laughs> Two hours later. Let's jump straight into the stats. The year is 2016. Shit, Yeah. <laughs> I usually say it's a good year, but 2016 was not particularly good. (laughs) There's some trauma you can talk about with your therapist later. 2016. Music is by Lin-Manuel Miranda, Mark Mancina, no Mancina. I've been saying China. It's Mancina. And Apataya Foy. Lyrics are by Lin-Manuel Miranda and Apataya Foy. How am I doing over there? Uh, I would probably say Apataya Foy. Is that not what I said? Opataya Fawai? You said it better that time. Fawai. So the apostrophe, like, yeah, there you go. Opataya Fawai. Yeah. yeah, Opataya is just Obadiah, but like from the, yeah, yeah, Opataya. Opataya Fawai. Great. And the score is by Mark Mancina. In the cast, we've got a couple of really famous names both in sort of western pop culture and also in polynesian culture so i've got heaps of notes here um in the leading role at the age of 14 it fucked 14 no, years old no. found and like doing a charity voice contest or something crazy you know some people that it's just meant to be it's yeah. definitely meant to be her name is Auli e. Cravalho. Have I done there? I have no idea how to pronounce her last name. I literally <laughs> watched a YouTube clip about this. <laughs> she was with Dwayne and she was like, you know, I hear heaps of spellings of my name. And she said, Al, like you've hit your knee on something. Al Lee E. Cravalho. And then Dwayne Johnson was like, I've been saying your name wrong this entire time. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you might recognize her as if you saw the Little Mermaid live, she was Ariel. Uh, Do you see the live action? Oh, she, she was stunning. I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what do you call them? Oh, feet. <laughs> Yeah, not the live action. You know how they do those live in studio. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she was, she was gorgeous. Like the I NBC completely live, agree, whatever, yeah. Apart from this, I knew her from Rise, the whole reason I subscribed to Binge. It was like this terrible series that only lasted one season. It featured the guy from How I Met Your Mother that's not Barney. What's his name? Ted. Oh, yeah. And her. And she's basically at a high school and Ted <laughs> wants to put on Spring Awakening. And the principal says, no, they want to do like HMS Pinafore or Pirates of Penzance or something. And so he's like, we're just going to do it. And he buys the script that you can buy from like a bookstore. And then he's like, we're going to do the show. And I'm like, that's not how musicals work. You know, just (laughs) (laughs) and they do Spring Awakening. And of course, this all drama about like, who's going to play Ventler. And of course, like she gets it. And there's some other girl who's like, I'm the Sharpay of this group and I deserve (laughs) to play Ventler. And it's, it's terrible. Mm. It sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It was the whole reason I got binge. I waited until it, it all came out and then I got my like 30 days free subscription. 
And I've been paying for it ever since. But. Also, I know it's about teenagers, but Spring Awakening feels like a very inappropriate show to be putting on at a high school. It is. Yeah, the principal had a good reason yeah. to say <laughs> Exciting. Mean Girls is about to become a movie musical and she has been cast as Janice. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is a far cry from Moana. Mm. Janice. No, it's So, yeah, she wasn't going to audition. She was actually the very last person to audition for this role mm. out of hundreds of young hopefuls. And you can find audition videos. I don't know why people have left them up. But it's like, mm. this is my audition for Moana. And then they sing some random song. Let me walk through paradise with you, Lord. She wasn't going to audition. She didn't think there was any point. And then they found her, a talent agent found her, and it was a charity video contest. And he brought her in to audition and boom, she got it at the age of 14, which is crazy. I refuse to believe that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no one's life is that perfect. (laughs) Playing Maui, we've got Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That sounds like a name I should recognise. Dwayne Johnson, did you watch the Jumanji reboots? Mm. Okay. Did you watch the Baywatch movie? I'm I'm messing with you. I absolutely know who (laughs) Dwayne Johnson is. Have you been living under a rock? (laughs) He, yeah, most recently has been in the Jumanji reboots, which I love. I love that first one. It's so clever. He was also in the Baywatch movies from the Fast and Furious franchise. He was in the Jungle Cruise movie. Mm. And he also was just a famous WWF wrestler. That's the non-fake one, yeah? Oh, no, they're all, they pre- they're all pretty fake. But I think he's WWF and his father was a wrestler and he was The Rock. Yeah. No, no, what? Dwayne's The Rock. Yeah, but no, but his dad had something to do with Rock in his wrestler title. Oh, okay. Which is why he's Dwayne The Rock. It's like an homage to his dad. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that. Who Maui is quite strongly based on physically in the movie. Oh, okay. He's got the same like crazy curly hair. Yeah, cool. Okay, moving on. We have Rachel House as Tala who is the grandmother. Absolute queen, Rachel House. Yeah. She's in Thor Ragnarok. She's Topaz, mm. who is one of the, there's the main side chick and then there's her. I can't explain it any better because <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen that movie. But she's also a huge actress actress in New Zealand and I just adore her. I think she's, she's does. I think she's been in pretty much every Taika Waititi film. I'll take your word for it. Say it with confidence. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's been in every one of Taika's films. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Oh, this is my problem when I write these things down because the next character is Tui and I have no idea who that is. I'm going to go with Moana's father. Yeah, yeah, Tui is the father. Yeah, cool. And his name is Temuera Morrison. Mm-hmm. He is also another major New Zealand act- actor and he's Boba Fett. In Boba the- Fett. Yeah, I don't know anything about The Mandalorian or Star Wars, but apparently he was in the Star Wars franchise as a similar role or the same role or something. Yeah, so uh, just to school you on Star Wars lore, oh, he so played Jango Fett, who was a bounty hunter who gave his uh, essentially his DNA to create the Stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. So he is the person that all the stormtroopers are modeled off. And George Lucas, when he was sort of revamping the original series, went back and put Tamara Morrison's voice in like various lines of the stormtroopers. So 
He has continued that in Boba Fett. Cool. <laughs> are, you, are you excited, Katie? Because I'm excited. I don't know anything about Star Wars. Yeah, great. I feel like <laughs> I am Moana lost on the boat. I've, I've been abandoned. And where the water just pushing you <laughs> further out to isolation. In the role of probably one of the greatest Disney villain, villains ever created since Ursula and the Little Mermaid. In the role of Tamatoa, we've got Jermaine Clement. That is an exceptional call. I, I reckon it's, I will stand by that call yeah, too. Okay, okay. Most people know him from Flight of the Concords. He also wrote the songs for the Muppet movie. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I'm obsessed with and one day we'll probably cover that because that was Disney. They're, they're Disney, they're yeah, live action Disney. Disney. Stay tuned season two. Yeah. And he's he's awesome. In the role of Cena, who was Moana's mother, we've got Nicole Scherzinger, who has Hawaiian roots. You'll know her most famously from the Pussycat Dolls. She was also in Annie Live. Oh. Uh, she was Grace and she kills it. Yeah, nice. She absolutely kills it. She is an incredible singer, an incredible dancer and not what I expected. Did you see Annie Live, Katie? No, I didn't, but I, I did not know she was in it. I will watch that. Yeah, it's... I, I, she's fantastic. It's mind-blowing how good she is in that role. <laughs> Cecile will pick out all your clothes. Green is her best colour. Not blue, I think. Your bath is drawn by Mrs. Green. Bubbles, no soap. They give her like a massive, like Grace is a bit of a nothing character and they give her like this massive dance number and she's got legs for days and I hate her because she's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the role of Hey Hey, the chicken, we've got Alan Tudyk, who I am obsessed with. Old mate AT. Uh, Prior to this, big roles include King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph, Mm -hmm. Alistair in Big Hero 6, who's one of the friends, and Lenny in Ice Age. Is Lenny the the meerkat thing? Uh, No, that's Sid. Yeah. Ice Age. Is he the – oh, he's um, the – what is that? Like a sea lion thing? Like a yeah, looks like tiger, a, looks but like not a, a tiger. Line. Yeah, the tiger a walrus. thing. Yeah, but like a walrus and a tiger had a weird baby. Yeah, he's that. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I don't remember. I said at all. Something else that's important to note, just while we're talking about creatives, is that this was directed by John Musker and Ronald Clements, who yes. gave us Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, and most recently The Princess and the Frog. Yes, they did. This was their big. Re- not big return. That was the princess and the frog. This was mm. the end mm. of their return. Yeah. <laughs> they retired on this movie. Yep. It's a good one to go out on, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think but. it's a good one to go out on too. Also, probably one of the reasons this movie is fundamentally flawed, but we will get there. Thanks. We will get there. Okay, so. The other, the other cast member is Christopher Jackson as well. Of course, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, as so the, he's the singing, singing voice. voice of Tui. Yeah. Yeah, so he makes an appearance because Lin-Manuel Miranda said something at some point like, as long as I'm employed, you'll always have a job. So he literally has appeared on every single project that he's done, I think. Good friend to make, I think. Yeah, the only one one I think about is, I don't think he was in Chump Street, but he was in In the Heights, he was in Hamilton, he's in this. Mm. But I don't think he's in Encanto. He's pro- I wouldn't put it past him to just chuck him in the chorus somewhere though. Yeah. <laughs> just have, have some money, have a job. Songs that you will most famously know from this are probably How Far I'll Go, which was the Hero I Want song. You're Welcome was probably the other one that 
most people would know. It was a pretty big hit and it has a rap in it and everyone loves a rap. They're probably the two biggest hits from this movie. Let's talk about awards. Okay, this garnered a couple of nominations at the Academy Awards and the Golden Globes. It was nominated for Best Feature and Lost. Do you know what one? 2016 was the, was that the Moonlight year? It was the Moonlight year. Yeah. So Moonlight won, but it was. I'll give you a clue. This is the one year that Disney has released two fully animated feature length films aside from the year that they did Toy Story 2, I think. Katie, any guesses? I truly remember nothing pre-pandemic. Uh-huh. It's just it's just a white wall. 2016. It, it's not Inside Out, is it? No, it's, it's not a Pixar. Not a Pixar. It's definitely like a Disney. It's Disney. a Disney. It's not a musical. It's about animals. Oh, Zootopia. 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 Yeah. yeah. Zootopia took out Best Animated Feature at the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards. Excellent movie. And Best Song, very disappointingly, went to... It was the Moonlight Year. Oh, um, oh La La Land. City of yeah, Stars. City yeah. of Stars won the best song at the Academy Awards, which is very disappointing. City of Stars, are you shining just for me? Other songs that were nominated include Audition, The Fools Who Dream from La La Land. Here's to the ones who dream. Can't stop the feeling from trolls. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. The empty chair from Jim, the James Foley story. If I should close my eyes, that my soul can see. And there's a place at the table that you say for me. So many thousand miles o'er land and sea. I hope to dare that you hear my prayer. And somehow I'll be there. And... Yeah, how far I'll go from Moana. Can I say something potentially controversial? Go for it. I fucking hate La La Land. Oh, I hate it so much. Ugh. I, um, yeah, I, I didn't like it when I saw it. I fell asleep. I went to it not knowing it was a musical. Mm. I went because the poster was pretty. I wasn't ready for a musical and I hated it. I then thought everyone loves it. I will watch it again with a fresh mind and I still didn't love it. Katie, yeah. what's your opinion? Same. I saw it the first time and went, I don't get the hype. Watched it again a few months later being like, maybe I was in a bad mood. Yeah. No, it was fine. It was fine. Mm. Yeah, it just... It just felt like a really long episode of Glee at that point. (laughs) With, like, not as good singers. (laughs) Yeah, and with less, like, fun storylines. Just, like, a really sad episode of Glee. Yeah, I I just find it a really confusing film. Confusing in that I don't think it knows what it wants to be and where it wants to Mm. be and Mm. what time period it wants to be in. Um, But it looks pretty. So, yeah, that's it for the, the songs. So... How this film got made. 
Musker and Clements pitched a movie about Maui. They were basically looking to do another Hercules movie. Mm-hmm. And that was greenlit and they were sent on like a six-week vacation, vacation to, I think they went to Hawaii. It was mm-hmm. like, yep, yeah, we'll greenlight this, off you go. And that's what they basically do. Instead of, this is what's always frustrated me with these films. Instead of saying, yep, yeah, that sounds great, you need to get a director who is, you know, of that culture, whatever you're representing. Mm-hmm. They just go, it does go on a holiday. And then talk to people and write it yourself. Yeah. Like, it, it bugs me. And it's like the huge problem with Soul, the, the movie that Disney did a couple of years ago, they had like Oprah Winfrey on as a cultural advisor or something. And it's like, oh, was that like one phone call where they were just mm. like, hey, is it cool we do this? And it's been the common problem throughout for me with these films. Mm. Mm. But anyway, so they – they did this trip and after they got back, they decided to change it to a story about a daughter and a chief. And like you said, these are the people that did The Little Mermaid and Aladdin, all these like princess mm. wants, you know, has a disapproving parent and wants to go on journey. And it basically, that's where that, that came in. So some of the reasons they switched it is because they heard about the long pause. Now, do you know anything about that, Katie? Only from what I was reading last week, to be honest. but. Yeah, like the um, the they they stopped going out on boats. Yep, you can definitely summarize this better than I can, Stackers. <laughs> you can cut that bit. Don't ask I me. They stopped going out on <laughs> boats. They, they stopped the going. <laughs> <laughs> they were on boats and then they weren't. The they end. did. They took a pause that ended up being much lengthier than <laughs> expected. So basically, three and a half thousand years ago a bunch of people colonised what we know now as West Polynesia. So that's New Zealand, Tonga, Fiji and Samoa. And then for a reason that nobody can explain, they didn't voyage for another 2,000 years. So they'd okay. go out and find yeah. these, you know, these bits of island, they colonised them and then they, would, they just didn't. And research has sort of assumed that it might have been due to weather. I think there was a big like El Nino or something and they mm. said maybe like the the seas were so dangerous for a big period of time that they just couldn't go. But 2,000 years is a long time to blame it on one weather event. Long Nina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just suddenly started up again after that and they colonised Central and Eastern Polynesia. So that's when we got Hawaii and Tahiti amongst mm. others. I'm, I'm obviously not naming every country, but these are sort of the big ones. And so that's why this movie is kind of set in we don't go beyond the reef, we don't voyage because mm. it's sort of set in the long pause. What they don't really explain is anything to do with the, I don't know, it, it's just kind of like it's sort of there, they just don't explain it very well. Mm. So originally the story was about Maui and then they changed it and they formed what's called the Oceanic Trust. And the Oceanic Trust was in charge of green lighting all the ideas culturally that were in this film. So they cut scenes like where Moana has a tantrum and throws coconuts because coconut is a racial slur. Like to call Polynesian people coconut people is really racially right. Okay. Um, yeah. insulting. That didn't stop coconuts being all the freak all over this film. <laughs> that was their that was their job. So they were not in charge of storytelling. They were not in charge of directing. They were there to just advise, which is what Disney does all yeah. the time. Yeah. Because we did Pocahontas and didn't learn anything. <laughs> the original screenplay is actually by Taika Waititi. Hmm. And he left the project because he had a newborn child and he decided he wanted to move back home. How lovely. And be oh. a father. And according to him, the only piece of script that has remained from his original script 
is opening exterior ocean. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> In the first draft, Moana had five or six brothers and then they decided that was going to distract from like the, the main antagonist of the film. So they got rid of all the brothers. And then in another draft, it was Moana's father that wanted to voyage instead of Moana. Mm. And then in another one, Moana actually went out to sea to rescue her father. And you see like the the remnants of that left in the film when you mm. see why he's, why her father doesn't want to voyage. Yeah, yeah, okay. So then the screenplay, once Taika left, was written by an American named Jared Bush. So originally they did have a Polynesian person writing the script, which was a good idea. Mm. And then he left and they replaced him with an, a white dude, which, ah, we were so close. Yeah. We were so close. I was going to say, interestingly, there's... I saw there was a TikTok going around where they were interviewing uh, Maori people and saying, do you consider yourself Polynesian? And there is a real split as to uh, within the Maori community as to whether or not they consider themselves to be Polynesian or completely separate. Really? Why is that? Yeah. Side annotation. I don't know. I, I do, a lot of people have a lot of different feelings and opinions about, um, like, I mean, obviously Polynesia as a whole, as like one giant culture rather than many, many different cultures. A lot yeah. of uh, a lot of native Maori people in Aotearoa feel a bit more connected to say like uh, like our Australian indigenous culture where it's one separate thing that isn't actually connected to anything else. Yeah, well I guess it's yeah. really hard and movies like this do not help where they just mishmash things together. <laughs> yes. Because when you think about it, the distance between somewhere like, you know, Aotearoa or New Zealand and Hawaii that's a long way. Like you can't expect, they might've started, you know, as the same group of people that then mm. expanded, 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 but you can't expect that it's going to be even close. The traditions might not even be close to what, you know, we think they are when we just paint these, these groups of countries with the same brushing. Oh, it's all Polynesia and they kind of all, you know, coconuts and water, which is what I get from this film. Mm. Yeah. yeah, in my in my head, it's like comparing like Mexico and Spain, yeah. where like there yeah. is there is like it's Spanish, but you no, know, it's completely opposite sides of the world. They're completely different cultures. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's where the sort of big, well, where one of the big issues with this film comes out because they are so. It, it, I'm gonna like compare this to Coco a lot, mm. and one of the. Biggest differences I see between this film and Coco is Coco is set in Mexico and is not afraid to be Mexican. Half the songs mm-hmm. are in Spanish and you walk away when, when I watched Coco, I walked away emotionally devastated, but <laughs> I walked away thinking that was an amazing film. And I learned so much mm. because day of the dead to me prior to that was like, it's like a costume party and it's in James Bond. Like I didn't know anything about it. Mm. And I walked away and I was like, I know about the traditions and the importance of memory and the flowers and the food and the, you know, the shrines and, and, and why this all exists. Whereas with Moana, water and coconuts. Mm. There's just, yeah. it, it's such a, a basic monomyth story in that, you know, protagonist longs for adventure, goes on some sort of like magical spiritual quest, finds an antagonist, solves a problem, comes back the hero. And you could set this movie in Greece and it would be the same film. Like there's nothing about it that is inherently to do with any one particular 
place really, mm. you know, Maui could be some other random Greek God and be the same thing. And then mm. the, you know, the crab could be any villain. And then that's one of the, the hardest parts when it comes to, I think people uh, celebrating the representation in this film, Katie, like w- w- what's your opinion on that? hundred percent. I, I read this article earlier this week. It was a New York times article. It was about Encanto, another another story, another Disney one where they've set the story in Colombia. They've picked a country. They've picked a home for it. They've picked a cultural home for it where that's where they're pulling their outfits from. That's where they're pulling the colours and the speak and all of those things from. Mm. And this New York Times article said, Encanto may be accurate, but can it carry a whole country? And Mm. the entire article was like, yeah, there's a lot of Colombian in there, but like, some Colombians are looking for a bit more than just the representation. I remember looking at that and being like, they literally said it in one country and that still wasn't enough. Why did they think that they could set it in an entire like diaspora and, and expect that to mm. like be enough? Because there's always there's this responsibility that Disney has. And I remember saying in an episode we were doing back in the like 50s or 60s era where whoever was CEO at the time said Disney has no responsibility to do anything but entertain which is so incredibly inaccurate given the mammoth effect that Disney has and the power that Disney has over the cultural zeitgeist. When you think of American Indians, how many people will think of the Peter Pan Indians? Mm. When you think of Alice in Wonderland, you see the girl in the blue dress with the white pinafore because what Disney says kind of goes. And so when when we start looking at these films like Pocahontas and Moana and Encanto and... Coco. That's how we as people who are not from that culture see. We go, oh, that's that's what they do. That's what they look like. That's what they wear. So they can kind of do whatever they want and we will just accept it if we don't we don't know any better. We'll just go, oh, that's what Maui is. That's what Maui looks like, which is one of the biggest problems that people have with this film, especially because it's not set in any one particular place. And Maui is represented differently depending on where you go within this like Polynesian landscape. And he's kind of like a mishmash of all of them, which again, if you don't know that, you'll just be like, that's what Maui looks like. That's what he does, you know? And so it's this really dangerous thing. And why I get so mad when we've got all these white guys who are directing it and and writing the screenplay because they're not writing from perspective. They're just writing from this like romanticized version of what they think will sell in a Disney film. And why Coco is so great because it's not afraid to tell a different story. Mm. Sorry. I get very ranty about this. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm the same. I, it's, it's so interesting because the, the more that they try and it's almost like they were shooting for inclusivity, but, instead ended up with just a lack of authenticity Mm. because it just becomes this such a surface, like just the tip top of everybody. Then you actually are representing nobody. Like, Mm. I mean, at the same time, I understand it. And I know like from my, for myself and for my friends, like we can look at it and go, you know, I see myself there. I can still feel represented, Mm. but I, I don't think that would have been lost if they had said it in Samoa. I wouldn't have looked at it and been like, well, it's, a different island, so I don't feel seen. No, I would have been like, oh, I see that. Like, there's so much similarity. But yeah, if they just honed it somewhere. Yeah, and like I see that. So like, there's never been a film set in Malta, but I yeah. have my big fat Greek wedding, and uh, 
looking for Alabrandis. So one set in Greece and one set in Italy. But I'm like, that's my family. Like mm. there's so many things mm. about it that I'm like, that's so similar to how my family is. And I feel represented through that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's not necessarily about like, you just said it in Europe and I'd, I'd feel the same way. And I'm like, we're just going to set this in Europe and mush yeah, it all together. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I saw a quote from one of the creators who was like, yeah, I was inspired by the Polynesian culture. And I was like, yeah, I'm inspired by the Europe culture. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which one? Yeah, yeah it's the culture. It's so good. Like, <laughs> I, And I think the danger in that is that you end up like recreating like an exotic you know, yeah. or a um, it becomes that paradise where it has like there's no issues. There's like they don't dip into the problems the same way that like in Encanto, in Coco, where you know they talk about the family dynamic and all of those things because they've left all that out of it. They've left all the bad stuff. It's pre-colonial, fancy island. It's flowers and it's beautiful and it's not problematic because the problems are fictional. Like the problems yeah. are um, magical instead. Yeah, like. Yeah, 100%. That's too exotic. We love it. I hate that word. (laughs) It's just so exotic and pretty. You know, it's like look at at them. It's very look at them, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, good for you. (laughs) So, you know, whilst I think – it is, it is always something to celebrate and representation and it, it's funny. I think I mentioned, I can't remember what episode I mentioned this on, but I said that I always identified with Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I loved her and I, I, that's still my favourite Disney movie. But then I thought maybe that was because she was brunette like me. You know, she she was the one that looked yeah. the most like me. She wasn't blonde or red hair or whatever. And I, and I thought maybe this was in the Mulan episode. And mm. I was like, how magical it would have been to have never been represented and see Mulan or Pocahontas or Moana or um, Mirabelle and and say, oh my God, like she looks like me. And then the, the, the story can almost come secondary. I mean, if you're, you're a young child, all you want to see is yourself. And to 100%. see that represented in Disney, it's like, oh my God, like Disney sees me and so I do, I do respect how important a film like this is. It's just, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate that on a deeper level it didn't put in the, the work, I guess. Absolutely. Like criticisms aside, I was like, oh, my God, it's my calves. It's my hair. It's all of those things yeah. where you're like, that's so special. Mm. You know, like, and I know like from an Australian Pacific per- per- perception, like between tw- 2007 and 2016, the only other like representation of my culture was um, brown face and summer heights high. And I tell you, that wasn't that mm. wasn't tip top. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Moana was a huge step upwards. Yeah, because he was from Tonga, wasn't he? Jonah, yeah. Jonah, yeah. Well, yeah, he was from the character. Yeah, it was a white man in blackface, and we gave him a logie for it. I think. Yeah. yeah, and you yeah. know, if I if I go back to that time, I was obsessed with that show. I thought it was that my favorite segment was the Jonah segment, and I I bought the DVD and I'd like skip to those. And it was only later on that I was like, whoa, that's not okay. You know, like yeah. the, absolutely. Yeah. Now I now I'm like, oh, that God, that's so icky. Uh, <laughs> in your defense, stackers, that was in the dark ages of 2008. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's back when like everything is fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like those like levels. Like I'm in every one of like whenever we're talking about culture, I'm so progress over perfection because I feel like you can never reach the perfection unless we're taking those little imperfect steps. Yeah, but yeah. like 
you know, Samoa One definitely is a huge step up, but I, it's frustrating to see things like Encanto and see things like Turning Red and mm. be like, I I still have never seen myself represented in modern day society. Like yeah. it's still either exotic or it's wrong or it's about stereotypes. Like Jono's is a complete stereotype. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't give you a character that represented myself and my culture. Yeah, mm. and and that's really sad. I actually really liked Turning Red in that it, I was, loved that. it was set. I mean, like what a daring movie, but it was – have you seen Turning Red, Will? Mm. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved that it was set on the streets of wherever they were, New York. Or, Montreal, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, she was in Canada. Or to- Toronto, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it was that idea of what happens when tradition and, and traditional vo- values meet contemporary culture and mm. the, the conflict that actually does create in your social group when you're, when you're young. And, mm. you know, I, the, the countless stories you can hear about, you know, what you ate for lunch or something and, and that was, you know, traditionally from whatever background you were and the opinions of like the, the white kids being like, what, that's weird, you know. And I really liked seeing that representative. Like sometimes this is just tough mm. and showing kids, you know, this is, this is not okay. And this is hard. And, you know, we need to be more, more aware of that. And then on top of that, it's periods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and giant pandas, which I love. I feel like that's the Disney fun stuff. Like, yeah. but also like, I love that they pre- represented like a living culture yeah. in today's day mm. and age. Like, mm. yeah. like island culture all of that is still alive, but they present it as something that is so, you know, pre, like it's, it's, it looks it, it's, it's almost fictional. Yeah. It's almost like so far in the past that it's not real anymore, but it absolutely is like all of those things like they found on their tours when they went around. Yeah. That's all there. Kind of like today. Lilo and Stitch, how it's oh. set now. Nani, Nani being animated was like, Oh, <laughs> it's the legs. It's it's going. Oh my gosh, that's my legs. Yeah. Like <laughs> more, more more thick people on Disney, please. Oh please, oh please. <laughs> For those of you who've never seen Moana before and have gotten this far somehow. According to whatever website I ripped this from, an adventurous teenager sails out on a daring mission to save her people. During her journey, Moana meets the once mighty demigod Maui, who guides her in a quest to become a master wayfinder. Together, they sail across the open ocean on an action-packed voyage, encountering enormous monsters and impossible aids. Really, it's one enormous monster a couple of really mini ones and then one that's not really a monster. Oh, and the random ship of monsters. Yeah, yeah, they're really small ones. Little tiny monsters. (laughs) Along the way, Moana fulfills the ancient quest of her ancestors and discovers the one thing she always sought, her own identity. Hmm. Gee, where have we heard that story before? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have an original synopsis of stuff, but what I did write out were the seven great Deeds of Maui, because I was really interested. I'd heard that this was a sticking point for people. And I was so confused when I started because one of the quests I'd read was he pulled up the islands of New Zealand. And then I read something else and it was like he pulled up the island of Hawaii. And I was like, wait, 
what? And then it turned out that Maui exists in a lot of different legends, depending on where you are. And they're all a little bit different. Mm. So the one I've written out is largely based on the New Zealand version of Maui, but just a little bit of context. Maui is very similar to Hercules and that the legend is formed on a, a whole series of deeds or mini mm. stories that culminate into this is the legend of that person. It's just more Hercules is about killing stuff mm. <laughs> and this one's a bit more violent, whereas um, Maui's a little bit more motley. He does a lot of like different things. He's a horticulturist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not like wielding a sword. You know? <laughs> I can't wait for in a thousand years time when there's just like a gardener who's everyone's hero. That's fucking great. <laughs> It'll be uh, from Burke's backyard. Yeah. <laughs> be, yeah, the legend of Don. Berg, who def and in brackets, who definitely <laughs> wasn't problematic. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so I was Will. I was going to hand this to you, but I've realised like they're very dot pointy. I mean, do you want to give it a go? Nah, and you, try and make sense you're probably of it? best reading. It. Okay, sorry. These are the seven de- great deeds according to my research. Number one was fighting his mother's house. Maui the Skillful is the fifth brother named Maui. So all of his brothers are ma- named Maui and they're like Maui the something. Maui that the something. makes it easy to remember. He's Maui. <laughs> easy to get attention. Maui. And they all turn. <laughs> because his mother can't feed him, she floats him out to sea. So it's sort of like a Moses thing. The god of the sea takes pity on him and sends him back. And then his mother demands that he prove his worth by throwing spears at the house. So she's like, if you can throw spears at the house and bring it down, that'll prove your worth. Now, considering she didn't have a lot of money to feed the kids, that part is very confusing to me. Is this, is this, do you know much about Maui from the Hawaiian perspective? No, not particularly. Like there's, there's a Maui story from a lot of different islands. I've heard one about fire, Mm. like from Tonga. Yep. Um, but he has, like, he only has three brothers in that one. Like, it, it yeah. is just slightly different. Yeah, he's got, I think in the Hawaiian version, he's got three brothers and there's only three or four deeds or something. I think, I think this might be, this is either the New Zealand one or this is a amalgamation of all of them. I'm not 100% sure. So skill number two is raising the sky. Maui drinks a potion and pushes the sky up, which is too low. So the people complain the sky is too low. You need to push it up. So he pushes the sky up. And you may you may start hearing these and going, these are in the rap. That's because they're all mentioned in the rap. <laughs> they say that the palm trees are flat on the top because the sky was low. You know how palm trees yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, flat yeah, out? They're yeah, like, that's because yeah, yeah. the sky used to squash them. He then casts a spell and which creates a great gust of wind and that creates his knowledge of like, the wind, and that's how he can teach people to become wayfarers. Mm. So he's like, I know how the wind works. So this is how you like use your sails and et cetera, et cetera. Number three, fishing for New Zealand. And this could also be fishing for Hawaii. And I doubt that the story here is much different. His brothers basically bully him for being lazy and basically bad at life. Maui decides to prove them wrong and he visits the land of the dead to find a half-dead ancestor. The ancestor gives Maui the jawbone of their dead half, which Maui carves into a fish hook. There's the hook. And he captures his mother's sacred birds to use as fishing bait. Maui and his brothers go fishing and instead of pulling up fish, he accidentally pulls up islands. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can't eat that. <laughs> Man, the size limit on this thing. Uh. Great deed number four, slow the sun. 
The sun moves too quickly across the plains and the days are too short. So people are complaining that they can't get things done and crops aren't growing and it's causing havoc. So Maui's mother asks him to slow down the sun. Simple. Maui asks his grandmother for help and she tells him the sun moves fast because it has 16 legs. So he must stop all 16. He sets up 16 traps, snares the sun, threatens it with an axe and the sun agrees to slow down. And I think in the um, in the rap he says, I pulled down the sun. Elastoed the sun. Elastoed the sun, yeah. Mm. Number five, fire. So the people of Oceania don't have fire. Maui's mother was Hina of the fire. So she was a, she was a goddess herself. She was Hina of the fire. And one of the mm. issues that people have is in all of Maui's story in Moana, he doesn't mention his mother and she's quite a big part of his mythology. She won't tell him how to create fire. So he travels to the underworld. This is where like the Hercules correlation is as well because Mm. Greek mythology has a lot to do with the underworld. He travels to the underworld to ask his great, great, great grandmother how to produce fire. She gives him a fingernail with fire and he drops it in a stream. And then she gives him another one and he drops it in a stream. And this happens nine times. And she is so mad. She grabs her last toenail and then throws it down in anger and burns the underworld. And that's why the underworld's on fire. fire burns under the earth and it boils all the water and all the water disappears on land. Maui then brings rain and he puts out the fires with the rain. The great-grandmother, whose name is Mahuia, picks up the remaining flames and she hides them in the barks of trees. Mao and his brother see the mother's sacred birds making fires and they're wondering how are the birds making fire? So they stalk them and he catches a bird and gets him to tell the secret and the secret is you've got to rub sticks together. The fire is in the wood. You rub the sticks together, right. you get yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. Number six, Kunaloa. Kunaloa was a giant eel and he was terrorizing Hina of the fire, which is his mother. Maui killed it, chopped it into thousands of tiny bits and threw them into the sea. Those eel bits turned into fish and other eels and explains why the Pacific Islands have so many fish and a great variety of them. The, the eel story with the coconuts, that's one that my Samoan friend when I lived in um, when I lived in Aotearoa, that she told me about burying the eel and that's why the coconut has the eyes. Oh! But it looks a bit like a bowling ball, like that's the eyes of the eel. And there was more to it and I don't remember because it was 2016, it was a while ago. But I remember her telling me that story. Oh, that makes so much more sense then. So they but haven't that, made that up. They from like, well, that like that was a Samoan story that she told me. So that was yeah. So like, I I think like all of the different pieces. It's just it is an amalgamation of, of different versions different of the versions same story. Of the same yeah. Story. Oh, that's so cool. So number seven is immortality. So this is the last aid. Maui wants immortality for all of humankind, so it's not just for himself, which I can't remember how the film puts it. Maui finds out that if he steals the heart of the goblin goddess and gives it to the creatures of the earth, they will live forever. With the help of his mother's magical sacred birds, which come up so much in these stories, he's told that basically to get it, he has to go inside the mouth of the goblin goddess, past her volcanic teeth, through to her stomach, grab the heart and then get out, but they can't make a sound. And so, with the help of the birds, he goes inside the goblin goddess, retrieves the heart, and just as they're about to escape her mouth, a bird tweets 
She wakes up, bites down, kills Maui, and ruins the chance of giving humanity immortality for Ruby over. Done. Credits roll. Which you can kind of see in the, you know, um, Takar turns into a volcano after he steals a heart. She has volcanic teeth. Yep. Um, but Maui doesn't die in yes. this film. So they're the seven deeds of Maui. It's really long, but I find it really interesting. Mm. And it's really interesting when you look at the the rap section of Your Welcome, they mention all of this. Hey, hey, what has two thumbs and pulled up the sky? When you were waddling, yay, hi, this guy. When the nights got cold, who stole you fire from down below? You're <laughs> looking at him, yo. Oh, also I lasso the sun. You're welcome to stretch your days and bring you fun. Also I harness the breeze. You're welcome to fill your sails and shake your trees. Kid, honestly, I could go on and on. I could explain every natural phenomenon. The tide, the grass, the ground. Oh, that was Maui just messing around. I killed a meal, I buried its guts. Sprouted a tree, now you got coconuts. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? Don't mess with Maui when he's on a breakaway. Okay, so that was like a massive part of my research. Everything else I think we can do in context. So do we want to jump into the songs? Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and do some songs. Awesome. All right. Knock, knock. Who's there? The Nad Reed stackers. Gotcha. Uh, hey guys, it's Will here. Stacy has finally edited this ad read, so get ready for some new words. Your support of this show is very much appreciated. Anytime we get a message, a comment, or a random person yell at us in the street, we feel very special. If you're interested in checking out some uh, bonus episodes, you can listen to them over on our Patreon. So far, the money we've raised has meant Stackers could buy some sweet production stuff, which has also made a huge difference into the quality of our show. So thank you all to all of our supporters. We also have merch available now. What is the best Disney song t-shirts are now available in our Redbubble store. You'll find the link to that in the show notes for this episode. Finally, we would really love you to spread the word. Spread it far and spread it wide. Leave reviews, tag us on your socials, shout it out your window, call your mum, ask her how she's doing and then ignore her answer and tell her to listen to our podcast. We'd love if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, even if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, because that makes a huge difference as well. That's it for now. Let's dive into Moana's songs. So this film opens up with two songs that we did not rate, but I still really, really want to mention and talk about. So the movie opens with a really beautiful melody for a song called Talu Tagola, which means pardon us, O Tagoloa. Tangaloa. Tangaloa. So the G-A in Samoan is like an N-G-A. Really? So it's Tangaloa. Tangaloa. This is, I love having you on here. Thank you. I was like, I can pronounce that. Nope. (laughs) So what I'll do is I will play this and I'm going to translate it over the top. down upon our world. The light is good and beautiful. Look down how beautiful our lives are. Oh, 
Since Samoan anthology, Tangaloa is generally accepted as supreme ruler, creator of the universe and chief of all gods. So this is kind of like a blessing for the film, I guess. Kind of like look down upon us, you know, watch watch over the, the film, I guess, or it could be, you know, watch over the, the island, wherever we're setting this, which uh, we should call it Motonui. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a blessing, I guess I would say, which yeah. is really, really beautiful. The next song I want to mention that we have not rated but I really want to mention was An Innocent Warrior. This is the song that plays when we meet baby Moana. My gosh, she's so freaking cute. I just want to pick her up and squeeze her. She finds the shell in the water and this is where she makes the choice between the really cute turtle and the pretty shell. Now, I felt highly anxious by how close she was getting to the water unsupervised. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. like no water safety at all. Yeah. Where is the where is the fence? Oh my my Opataya Fawaii wrote a song in remembrance of 19 girls who died in their dorm when a school in Tuvalu caught fire. And this is a really sad story. So it was a school, their dormitory, separate boys and girls. At night, the groundskeeper, I guess, used to lock the girls' door so that they were safe from, like, boys who wanted to invade their dorm, basically, and misbehave. So Big gross boys. The doors, doors were locked. And I, think, I, I believe the boys' dorms were probably locked as well. And a girl in 2000 was studying and she had a lit candle next to her and she fell asleep. And when she fell asleep, her arm knocked the candle and she set the dorm on fire and these 19 girls couldn't get out. And they all passed away. And so Opataya wrote a song and originally the song's lyrics are, let the tears fall down, my heart is filled with sorrow, for we have lost many loved ones. Let the healing flow over me and wash this pain away. It's hard to understand that 19 lives were taken and along with it, the future of a small nation. Let the tears fall down, for we have lost many loved ones. This song is identical in melody, but was rewritten for Moana and retitled An Innocent Warrior. And the translation of this version is your eyes so full of wonder, your heart an innocent warrior. There's a task for you, my dearest one. Let it flow over you, this freedom you feel and your deep thoughts, our young girl, your eyes so full of wonder. And I find that such a powerful journey this song has been on 
to be written in a time of absolute devastating tragedy Mm. and so full of sorrow to have the strength to reinvent that song and transform it from tragedy into one of hope and, and uh, it's, it's beautiful. Blows my mind. The water looks so good. Yeah. They invented a lot of technology to animate this water. A lot of technology. Which is weird because it's only three years from Frozen and we had some issues with the way that the animation looked in Frozen, but mm. this just looks Yeah. Incredible. So this was intended to be hand-drawn and the reason it wasn't was because of the water. Mm. They just couldn't, you know, you think of the Little Mermaid and compare it to this. It's yeah. a different world. Mm. And they knew they couldn't do it. And so they invented a lot of CGI. This is the only CGI film that Musgrove and Clements directed and then they bowed out after this. So on to the first song that we are rating, which is Where You Are. Some men come back from the sea. Don't walk away. Moana stay on the ground now. Our people will need a chief. And there you are. There comes a day when you're going to look around and realise happiness is where you are. Consider the coconut. And that's the only thing I remember from this song. Hit of the coconuts. That's all I remember. <laughs> I cannot tell you how this song goes. You guys uh, uh, Monty Python fans at all? A little? I have not seen them. Okay, all I can think about is- uh, I'm sorry. That's all right. There's a, there's a movie called Life of Brian, which is kind of like a a, like <laughs> a, a a side story to the Jesus story the type horses? thing. No, oh. no. But he's standing on the, on the, giving his sermon on the mount and he keeps saying, consider the lilies. And they're all questioning. They're like, what do you mean, consider the lilies? They're flowers. What are you talking about? So anytime they say consider the coconut, that's all I can think of. <laughs> consider is con- the lilies. Consider the lilies. Yes. Consider the lilies. Search for a heckle. No, in the field. Consider the lilies. Uh, well, the birds then. What birds? Any birds. Why? Well, have they got jobs? Who? The birds. I find this the least memorable song of the whole thing. I can never remember how this goes. Catchy as fuck, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> really? Yeah. I just, even as I was pressing play, I had a difference. I had We Know The Way in my head. Oh, mate. I, 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 I like the villager inter- interjection. It's yeah. the, one of the one of the big musical things that I feel like is missing from this soundtrack is like the choral aspect. Like so much island music is choral, mm. it's yeah. chords, and so this is like one of those few moments where they're like, "Make way," and I'm like, "Yes, get it, villagers." <laughs> like, I want more of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just I, I just don't remember this. I know it as the consider the coconut song, and that's the only <laughs> line I remember. <laughs> it's like this is the one song Nicole Scherzinger sings, and I'm like, but don't remember it. Don't remember it. Chris Jackson. Like these are great singers. No, don't remember it at all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like one of the one of the issues that uh, that come up with this movie is uh, Polynesian music is traditionally dominated by singing, especially choral singing, like Katie mentioned, and drumming. So a lot of it's unison singing. There's not a lot of harmonization that was sort of introduced by colonization when they were forced to sing like hymns. Yeah, and that's where harmony comes in. Right, right. 
but it's mostly like percussion instruments. And when you think of these cultures, it's not like they went down to Alan's music and, and bought drums. So a lot of it is like. Not <laughs> shredding on a, <laughs> oh, a 1955 Stratocaster. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it was, was made from whatever materials were available where they lived. Mm. And so there was a lot of variance in the sounds that were created depending on where you go and what was available on the land. Yeah. And these, all of this music, even that opening number is bookended by American Western styles of music. For example, there's no strings in mm. in Islander music mm. because uh, it doesn't really exist. There's a sort of like basic, um, if we go right back, you get the basic um, beginnings of like what became like a guitar instrument. So mm-hmm. that you can kind of go with and especially a lot of modern music that comes from these cultures uses a lot of guitar but like strings, no. And you get it straight away at the start of the movie. And mm. one of the um, things that I read was like, Everything is so bookended by we want we want these songs to sound authentic, but we also need them to be approachable and easy to accept by Western cultures, whereas mm. Coco just didn't care. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not something that greatly affects my scoring, but something I think is really worth, you know, just pointing out. Yeah. And when you want something that's going to be widely accepted by everyone, you get the man of the hour, Lin-Manuel Miranda, to write to <coughs> your songs. Yeah, so, something worth pointing out. What did you rate this, William? Um, I rated this uh, a four for music and lyrics, mm-hmm. a five for animation, a five for contribution, and a five for cake. Oh, you really like this song. I love this song. Wow. Yep. Chris Jackson can just have un- unrestricted access to my ears. <laughs> and I just think it's it's so fun. Yeah, right. Do mm. you have any special connections to this song, Katie? Not particularly. I, I just like the amount of exposition they managed to fit into one number. Yeah. Like yes. they established the entire island, like visually. Yeah. They tell, like you understand what Moana wants. You understand what her expectations are. And you understand like a bit about like, even like their family pressure, like, and their family dynamic, you know, she sings in the end about how she's going to stay exactly where she is because that's who she is. And she's going to take care of her family. Like it's, it's, a, it's a, for what is a pretty short song. Mm. I think they've covered a lot. They do. Yeah. They said, they t- set the table for the entire movie that's to follow. There's no gaps that are filled. You know what the grandma's all about. You know what the parents are all about. You know what she's all about. And something that I said to Angie when this movie started was that it was really refreshing that the that the whole sort of her journey in this movie isn't about her um, trying to sort of prove herself equal of her brothers or anything, which is what it sounds like was initially going to be the sort of story where she had all these brothers. It's just about her learning to be a leader and learning that yeah. sort of stuff. And it, it just it's a really nice change to have something that's so not fussed about like gender identity and gender expectations. Oh yeah, absolutely. And considering like wayfarers are traditionally men, it just ignores that altogether. It doesn't make that a problem, which I I, kind of like. And like she, she is really happy to be a part of her family, like comparative to something like Ariel where she wants the, like, you know, it's very defiant. Yeah. Yeah. Moana isn't defiant. Moana is like such a, like, like that family dynamic is, is, is lovely. Like Mm. there's, there's no, Emotional abuse from either side. Like there's no rebellion. She's not selfish at all. Like the only reason she leaves is because her people are in danger and there's there's no food. Yeah. It's not because I have to be out on the ocean or my parents don't understand me or anything like that. It's, it's purely 
unselfish. Yeah, there's really no conflict in this movie. That's part of my problem with it as a whole, but we'll get there with the next song. I gave this two for music, 2.5 for lyrics, four for animation, two for contribution, zero for cake. I cannot get this song in my head. Jesus Christ, mate. I know, but even as I was pressing play and I literally watched this movie two days ago, I do not remember this movie, this song. Two and a two and a half for music and lyrics. (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you joking? No, I just can't. uh, This song, I just can't. All right. I know, I'm the worst. Let's move on to the hero song, which is How Far I'll Go. I've been staring at the edge of the water Long as I can remember Never really knowing why Every turn I take, every trail I track Every path I make, every road leads back To the place I know where I cannot go Where I long to See the line where the sky meets the sea, it calls me And no one knows how far it goes If the wind in my sail on the sea stays behind All right, this was the next Let It Go mm-hmm. for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It was everywhere. I think this is probably still the next Let It Go. Although I think maybe we don't talk about Bruno has overtaken yeah, it a little bit, but it's just dominated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my favorite thing about Auli Evening is so young is you can hear it. Like she sounds like a young girl with a perfect yeah. voice. Yeah. But like, she, like compared to say Frozen, where she sounds like 40 year old Idina Menzel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like was, that youthfulness and that, like, oh, it's so bright. Yeah. 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 And it was interesting so watching the audition videos you can find. A lot of them are like maybe more 15, 16 and have these like amazing R&B kind of voices and they're beautiful, but it's just, it's too much. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you're so right. This is so pure. Her voice is just stunning. Absolutely stunning. Please don't tell me you gave this flat fives. I'll feel awful. Oh, no. I no. did not give it five. Don't do that to me. It's been fun messing with you. I, I, I've missed being face to face. Eddie has been messing with me all day. It's been the worst. So my problem with this song is this is a really conflicted song. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like. You know, I just don't, ah, I got a, like, problem and, I, you know, I wish I could be the perfect daughter. And it's like, you are. You know, like, there's no, there's no argument really. Like, the father yells at her, like, once about going in the water, mm. which is like, we can take the boats out. But but it's kind of internalised um, doubt, I guess, because she knows that she wants to be out on the water and she knows that that's kind of impacting on, what her parents expect of her, I think, because there's that, the, there's the, the shots where in how far I'll go, where they're standing there ready to do something official and she, they look around and she's gone and she's running back to, to the water or back to her Nana or, or something like that. So I think it's okay that we haven't outwardly seen them treat her poorly. She has this like internalized, um, I don't know. She's Comfort. not meeting her own sort of internal expectations. I think. Yeah. I just don't feel like we, get a lot of that prior to this. Like we haven't had a lot of events similar to when we're talking about let it go. And yeah. um, uh, in the future, we talk about it <laughs> that I don't think we've established a lot of conflict and reason for an I want song. Like you're going to be chief. You are going to rule this place. Everyone loves you. Everyone loves you. And you have, you have everything. And we just haven't seen a lot of like, but, but, 
Mm. And then this song comes in. I'm like, yeah, it's great, but you're not like Ariel where like, you know, she wants to collect stuff from above and she's obsessed with the above. And it's not like we've seen Moana has a collection, like a whole room of seashells stored out the back. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like Elsa has her like don't let them see monologues before she has her let it go monologues. So like there's a reason for it. And we see the problem she creates, how people are afraid of her. Yeah, like I feel like like my mind fills in the gaps for Moana because like like the the few moments on the island, like I can fill it in in my head with like the family dynamic. But I feel like they could have spent a bit more time establishing some of that, like that lack of conflict. Like if they had opened up some of that like island family drama, like mm. that would have been so much clearer. Yeah. And so I gave this a four for music and a three and a half for lyrics, mm-hmm. three and a half for animation. I just think there's – it's hard in this film. There's stuff that just looks so amazing. Yeah. That context. Three and a half for contribution and four for four for cake. Okay. Backers, for those who haven't listened before, what do we mean by our cake score? Oh my God, we didn't do this in our future we episode. Did not. <laughs> our cake score means how catchy or memorable is the moment and the song. So if like me, you forget to consider the coconut song the minute that it's, <laughs> it's over, um, it's probably going to score pretty low. Whereas if you if you remember how far I'll go and you cannot stop singing how far I'll go and for yeah. how far I'll go lives forever in your memory, then it's probably going to get a higher a higher ranking. That's what a cake score is. It stands for catchy Kylie earworm score. And if you want to hear us break that down, go to episode like seven or something. Yeah. <laughs> You panicked far less than I do when you ask me what it means. I was so, just like, be well better done. than Will, be better than Will. <laughs> What'd you score this? I scored it a four for music and a five for lyrics. I think it does some super clever stuff with lyrics. The the whole like, um, I don't know what it's called, it's surely a musical term where it like, it doesn't quite, like it. the sentence continues into the next, and like that, mm. I know everybody on this, this is island the has I- it brought it down for my lyrics. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's super clever. She says island like four times in a row. It's to me very un, not creative at all. <laughs> yeah. I'll, t- I'll, I'll take that on board, but I'll leave it at five. Yep. Cool. Uh, three for animation, five for contribution and five for cake. Amazing. All right. Cool. How many times have you sung this, Katie? Immeasurable. <laughs> it's my alarm when I wake up. I, I literally put myself on mute and sung it while I was listening to it just then. <laughs> <laughs> and to full disclosure, so did I. So. <laughs> okay, that brings us to we know the way. And, like, Katie, if you have any strong opinions on any of these songs and you want to fight us on scores, please feel free. Please do. Yeah. I welcome the conflict. I will. I've got boxing gloves on. Yeah, I hate that that's Lynn. <laughs> oh, mate. 
I have such strong opinions. I'm so glad you said it. Oh, my God. Let me explain how that happened. So basically, Lynn, the, the song is by um, Opataya and when he performs it live, he sings the English words as well. The English words are written by Lynn. The song and the opening verse and chorus is written by Opataya. Lynn laid down the dummy track. And that's what you do when you write a song, you lay down the vocals, you send it out to a bunch of people and then they learn it and put in their submissions. And Musker and Clements went up to him and there is footage of this. We just love your voice so much that we'd like <laughs> you to sing it. And he's like, oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. It's the problem that <sighs> a lot of film composers hit and the reason that sometimes film scores are so similar to other film scores is directors put in scores from other films send that to the composer and say, do something like that. And then they get married so hard to the original sounds they heard that it's really hard for the film composers to come up with their own ideas that will be accepted. This is the same thing. Lynn put down the dummy track and they couldn't unhear his voice. Boom, there he is. It's the thing that like when I'm sitting in the cinema in January 2017, because I believe this film came out in December 2016, so I'm pretty sure I saw it in January. Um, the I'm sitting there and I am in on this song. I'm like, I'm fucking there. I can, I can, I can feel the wind. I can smell the sea. (laughs) And then Lynn starts singing and it just jars me right out of it. And it's not because he has a bad voice. I think Lynn's got a lovely voice, but he is very distinctly Lin-Manuel Miranda. He has a very distinct voice. He has, he's not a, uh, he's not a voice actor in this movie. So we haven't got him up until now to sort of like in, in, you know, um, in, inoculate ourselves to his sound, and then it just comes out of nowhere in this in this really wonderful song that should be entirely. I believe it's part Samoan, part uh, Tukulawan. I believe yeah. is the other language that's represented. Tukulawan. Yeah. yeah th- thank you. Um, I. It should be either entirely in those languages, or it should be a different singer than Lynn. It's just it completely shocks me out of this song. Yeah. Like there's no reason that Opadaya couldn't have sung the rest of it Absolutely. in English as well. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But there's also no reason they couldn't have got a second performer who is of any of these Islander cultures to sing it. Like it's not a hard sing. It's not like it's show yourself, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really don't want to hear Lynn Manuel Miranda sing "Show Yourself." <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's all I can think about. If so. you're really up for it, you can find him singing "Gethsemane," and that'll that'll cure the okay. cure the crave. Yeah, I really, really like this song, but I I agree. I think Lynn. Doesn't sound bad, mm. but I think it's really inappropriate. Is yeah. my problem with yeah. it? And so I, I rated it just slightly less on music for that because we don't have a performance score, and it's something that we've sort of spoken mm. about in the past. So I just I rated it slightly lower on music because it's a brilliant song. It just that choice throws me out of it. Yep. Um, so it's four for music, five for lyrics, five for animation, five for contribution, four for cake. You love this music. Mate, I need to tell you, I it was very hard not to rate all of these flat fives. I had to be very careful. Yeah. I gave it a three for music. I'm <laughs> going to bump that to three and a half. I gave it a four for lyrics, a three for animation, a three for contribution, and a two for cake. Mm. I, I think it's great. I just, I'm not fangirling over it super hard. Mm. Um. I can just see like Will sitting 
on your couch at home doing like the holokorobaka, <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's guttural. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's uh, the biggest compliment I've received today, Katie. Thank you. Yeah. What I am questioning there is my animation score. I'm just bumping that up to four now that I've watched it again. I don't know. Maybe I was in a bad mood. It's so beautiful. Yeah. The, the sea is so visceral and the, the dolphins and the kids and the, the boats and the, the rain. Oh, my God. It's stunning sequence. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So then we get on to our, um, our first reprise. Uh, technically, our only replies of how far I'll go. The other one's called something different. It's called so, I Am yeah. Moana. Yeah. hold a sentence together in song. <laughs> uh, and this is the first moment in uh, where I'm sitting on my couch and I start openly weeping. Um, <laughs> the, the the stingray appearing in the water. I will never, ever, ever forget that moment, I don't uh, think. Oh, far out. The, the stingray thing just gets me, just gets me. Looks and like it's so distracting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, I'm, um, like how 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 is it so clean? Yeah, yeah. Why is there nothing nasal in her perfect mix? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's you, perfection, and we hate her. We, <laughs> I can't I, I can't even form sentences really because it just blows me away every time. She's she's stunning voice, stunning voice. Yeah, I was going to say that there's an aspect I feel like of of island culture that they could have dipped into, which is like in the morning, especially of a matriarch. Like that would have been interesting to see, like the yeah. connection yeah. between her and her grandmother. Like, you know, it's kind of dismissed in this lovely thing where she, yes, she gets to follow the mandaray, but like that, I don't know. She, I would have liked to have seen her mourn. I think that would have been beautiful. Yeah, actually, she doesn't mourn her grandmother like at all. It never comes no. up. And it's, it's the opposite of what like, you know, like I would have liked to have seen her dance or something like that. Like, yeah, is that's that, is my that personal what, opinion, but is like, what is traditional or? In Tongan culture, like, um, and I know in a lot of island cultures, like you'd have, it'd be like, like funerals are a long event. Um, And there usually is a lot of, a lot of family gathering, a lot of food. Um, There often is like tributes, like haircutting or dancing. And considering her Nana was such a dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Her her grandmother is, is a traditionalist, which I really, uh, I hate that she's called like the village crazy lady and everyone dismisses her when she is the beacon of tradition and values and peace and mm. it's a very western thing it's that western opinion of oh she'd be nuts like and that's what that's how we would see it as westerners so we'll make all of them see it that way and 100% I don't think that's how it would be and that's we, we see like grandma doing that dance on the beach like doing like a tawalonga and it would be great to see like Moana do that for her grandma yeah, 100% mm, yeah. And, like I was in New Zealand uh earlier this year no late last year and the respect they have 
for the Maori people and uh, those who still do, you know, follow traditional practices, it's crazy. It, it, it's crazy. <laughs> Bad coin of phrase, but they do not consider them crazy is where I'm heading with it. Mm-hmm. I, I rated this song quite highly. I gave it a five for music, a four for lyrics, a four and a half for animation, a four for contribution and a two for cake because I always forget this exists. Uh, I gave it flat fives. I can feel that coming. <laughs> I feel it coming. <laughs> yeah, like I, I completely respect that. I think she sings the crap out of it. And mm. it's one of those things where how far I'll go is good, but mm. then the reprises are like, bitch, hold my purse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The things that I think this do, does better than the first, so the other one I, I rated it slightly lower in music and animation. And I've already sort of spoken about how I think, how powerful I think that, that manta ray coming out yeah. into the ocean is and how that image is just so... Uh, incredible. Um, I think that the mum helping her pack the the fruits into the basket is just so touching. And oh, then, that is such a beautiful image. Yeah, that's yeah. where I cry. And then I think the 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 music bump up. I think is just the choices that she's making vocally, or the choices that they, as a collective, I guess, are making vocally. The like, the tide always falling and rising, like yeah. that sort of stuff. And Mark, um, Mark Mancina has done an incredible job of orchestrating this. Again, we're talking from the Western way of writing music, but it's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. So that's why it gets those bumps. All right, moving right along on to. Probably one of the most fun songs in the movie. You're welcome. Open your eyes, let's begin. Yes, it's really me, it's Maui, breathe it in. I know it's a lot, the hair, the blood. When you're staring at a demigod, what can I say except you're welcome for the tides, the sun, the sky. Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. I'm just an ordinary demigod. I I can't fault this song. I can. Oh. No, only slightly. Okay. Only slightly. I just think it's, um, it's, actually, you know what? No, I don't think I can because I think what I was just about to say is just immediately contradicted by what we've been speaking about. So, no, I can't fault it. Flat fives. Flat fives! Hey! <laughs> Can you fault this song? Can you put us in our place? Because we clearly are uh, in our own little world here. I Look, if you're being super picky, it does sound like a musical theatre song that then has like some ukulele and some drums like put over the top of it sure. rather than yeah. like reverse. But no, it's a banger. Yeah, it's a, ba- it's a banger, right? <laughs> and it's a catchy ass banger. I, th- and- I think it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. I think, yeah. No, no, I, I agree. And it's... it's my. <sighs> If I had an issue with it, and I don't think it's something that I would rate the song less for, I think it's that Dwayne Johnson feels like he is very good at playing exactly one type of character. But it works so well for this one. It it works well in everything that he does it in. It just, it, I think my issues with it are more just, I wish I would see Dwayne Johnson do something that stretches him a little bit. Um, And I guess this stretched him in the sense that we had never seen him sing before and he does all the singing and he's, he, he does it really, really well. But they made sure that on the bonus tracks, you could hear Lynn doing it. Yeah. 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 So. Look, actually, if I was to follow his voice, it's the, it's whenever he goes, Oh, with like 10% enthusiasm. Yeah. I love it. I, I read something where they were like, Oh, he was the worst choice. He's not a proper singer. Get a proper singer. in." And I was like, but 
I really like he is in in the context of this, which is very different to the myth, which is a huge problem. Mm. He is like just whatever, laid back. And so the the song kind of needs a singer who is just like, yeah, whatever, you're welcome. It shouldn't be like, you're welcome. Like it'd be such a weird thing to have him mm. sing so com- with such confidence as opposed to such, you know, like it's speci- it's specifically that one lyric because it reminds me of like high school musical auditions where you've got like a year seven that's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> and then I lasted, oh, and you're like, come on, give me some panache, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you're in year seven and you're playing a greaser for some reason, but come on, <laughs> put some chutzpah in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say chutzpah? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think it's, it's a weird medium because it's not like when – it's not like fully soft, but it's not like I, I think I'm imagining full Harker energy. Yeah, and then yeah, it's like yeah. it doesn't give that. No, fair, and I think because a lot of his um his movements seem to be inspired by that, but vocally it doesn't yeah. quite match. So it's a bit yeah. tonally different. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely say that. Yeah, yeah, just kind of like tiptoes somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, because we've got we got to be appealing to Western audiences. Don't forget. Yes. Yeah. The huck is what uh, NRL players do. And that's it. That's where it ends. <laughs> do anywhere else. Um, yeah, we, do, don't, we don't see it, guys. We I don't do see it. actually love in the final scene where his hook is broken. Moana looks like she's absolutely lost. And he, the last thing he can do is do a hucker. Mm. I, I just think that's so great. Like he's just so desperate. He's like, I've got no weapon. I've got no way of saying this. But saying bring it this, on, motherfucker. trying yeah. to, you know, and the huck is all about, you know, getting rid of evil spirits. And it, that's what that's why the faces are so terrifying when they're doing it because they're trying to frighten away enemy and, and bad spirits. And mm. I think that's a really great moment. All right. On to Shane. Your granny lied. I'd rather be shiny. Like a treasure from a sunken pirate wreck Scrub the deck and make it look shiny I will sparkle like a wealthy woman's neck Just a sec, don't you know Fish are dumb, dumb, dumb They chase anything that good us Beginners Oh, and here they come, come, come To the brightest thing that did us mm, fish dinners I just love free food And you look like seafood This has got to be the most un-Lin-Manuel Miranda thing any that Lin-Manuel Miranda has ever written. <laughs> well, he wrote it specifically in the style of a Flight of the Concord song. It sounds like Jermaine Clements wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys Flight of the Concords fans? A little. Like I don't. I won't say yes, but I don't know a lot of this stuff. Did you watch the show? No. Okay. What about you, no. Katie? No, it's similar. Yeah, like okay. I've heard some songs, but I didn't watch the show. There's a song called Bowie's in Space. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, which it's it specifically Lynn wrote it in the style of Bowie's in Space. So that's why he's sort of sounding a bit, uh, a bit like David Bowie. You know, yeah. like he's he's that's specifically written you, you to match hear up with David that. David Bowie singing this. Yeah, like, yeah, easy. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Bowie's in Space. What you doing out there, man? That's pretty freaky, Bowie. Isn't it cold? I think this one's very fun. I love it. You're going to give it flat fives. I am not, but I almost did. Yeah. I think it's just what I love about Tamatoa. Yeah. He is not in the ads in the trailers. Yeah. He's not on the poster. Yeah. You go to this movie and it's just like, boom, villain. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. And he, he comes in, mic drops and leaves and that's it. 
And I love that. It was such a surprise for yeah. anyone watching the movie. Like, surprise, we've got a villain and you didn't know about it and we yeah. didn't tease it. And um, and he's just so, boss, this song is so cool. Mm. Mm. I consistently forget the melody. I'm just like, shiny, mm. <laughs> shiny. And when the lights go out and there's like all the fluoro stuff. It's, yeah, the bioluminescent yeah, bioluminescent stuff. She's covered up with a bioluminescent algae. Al- an algae, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably the funniest shit I've ever heard, that line. <laughs> this is great. So you didn't give it flat fives, but you nearly did. What'd I nearly did. I gave it a five for music, lyrics, and animation. I gave it a four for contribution and a five for cake. Yeah, right. I gave it a five for everything but a three for cake. Right, it's hard because I was sitting there listening to the song, and I was—I initially was thinking it was going to be a flat five straight up. Um, but then the more I sort of listened to it, I just thought it just doesn't add as much as some of the other songs in the movie that I've given a five for contributions. Yeah, right. So that's—I just sort of felt like it had to come down a point for that. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like it should lose a point for rhyming shiny with hiney. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> Give it a four. <laughs> but that's a that that is an inspired line rhyme. I don't know what you're talking about, oh, Katie. It's better than six n- rhyming nunnery with funnery, which I still haven't got over. <laughs> yeah, no, it's oh, it's just such a mic drop moment. I love it. Something that happens around uh, around this, I think it's actually just before this, is we meet the Kokomora. Yeah. I just wanted to to mention what they were. So I was like, is that a complete invention? Turns out it's not and it's quite offensive. So in the Solomon Islands in the forest, there's believed to be these this tribe called the Kokomora and they're described as small hairy spirits with really sharp claws and they're really secretive and dangerous. Mm. They live on nuts and fruits and opossums, which is fine because opossums are probably the ugliest thing that's ever walked the earth. <coughs> <laughs> and they occasionally feed on travellers and young children. So I think it's sort of like a drop bears situation. Right, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Don't go into the forest and be naughty because the, you know, the Kokomura will get you. It's similar to the celebrity of um, cryptozoology. So like Bigfoot, the Loch Ness right, Monster. Yeah, like yeah. People legitimately believe that these exist and there's been like sightings of, of them yeah, and, and yeah. things like that. And so they've basically taken that and made them coconuts and coconuts being racially insensitive mm. is a bit of a problem. Bit of a on the nose. Yeah. So little problem that's arisen there, I guess. It, feel, it feels like it sort of comes out of nowhere as well. Like it just feels very- um, I've never liked that sequence. I'm like, does need to be here? Yeah. But it's a fun sequence. It's fun. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it feels kind of like how the rock trolls feel in Frozen. It's yeah. like all of a sudden we've got <laughs> rock trolls singing at us. Okay. what? Where did this come from sort <laughs> of thing? Do we really need- yeah. And even though like I know these movies are about you know, magic and, and demigods and all this sort of stuff, it still just feels a bit too, I don't know. It's like Disney have a room full of interns and they get one scene to animate and they just make it up separate to everybody else and then they just slip it in like three quarters of the way through the film. I really like that idea. I imagine Disney interns as like um, college frat bros as well. (laughs) No, dude, it's going to be the Kakamoras, dude. And we'll make them coconuts. It'd be so cool. <laughs> All right. Well, we move on from that song on to Logo Tepate. I'm going to walk, hey. I'm going to 
The translation of this, the lyrics are pretty simple. Do you remember when we did all that, the sway, the energy expressed in the dance? Do you remember when we did all that, the sway, the energy expressed in the dance? And then it's come on, let's go, repeated a few times with alternate responses. So it's give me your hand, come, let's dance, give me your hand. You're the only one I wish for. And then it's like we're, we're spinning round and round. We're getting dizzy, smile my way. It's just like kind of a really cute, yeah. fun friendship song. Yeah. Is how I would explain it. Friendship moving forward song. Yeah. And I, I really like it. I think it really it's catchy. invigorates the relationship turn that Moana and Maui take. And mm. we're friends now. Let's just go. Mm. Let's go. We're friends. My hair is up in a ponytail or a man bun and I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Besties. <laughs> Besties on the water. Yeah. That's what the TV like sequel should be to this. It's just Maui and Moana going around solving problems. Besties on the water. Besties on the water. Let's call it that. CSI, besties on the water. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. They're solving like ocean crime. (laughs) (laughs) So I gave this a a two for music because it's quite basic. Uh, Three for lyrics, animation five, contribution three, and cake zero. Yep, I gave it a three for music and a four for lyrics, a five for animation, a five for contribution, and a three for cake. Three for cake? Oh, yeah, because you sang it to me before. You were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of dance numbers in this one. This is like in this soundtrack. So it's like one of the few ones that you can be like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah. Have a boogie too. Uh, you, put, uh, uh. you put that on a uh, billboards uh, uh. back in 2003. <laughs> 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 All right, so this brings us to... The incredible I Am Moana. Mm. My favourite. I know a girl from an island. She stands apart from the crowd. She loves the sea and her people. She makes her whole family proud. And the call is enough for it all. It's inside me. It's like the tide always falling and I'm undecided. Oh, come on, Will. Come on. Come on. Okay, let me fight for it. Let me fight for it. What am I fighting for? Which score? All right, so here's here's something that I'm really hung up on that I just can't get past. Okay. And, Katie, feel free to tell me I'm being insane as well. Gladly. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> we are ready. The only score that it is currently not a perfect five on is animation. No. And it's because... <laughs> I really want the staging or the blocking or whatever you call it in terms of film to be different. So the way I see it in my head and the way that always surprises me that it doesn't happen like this is that 
I really want. So you've got um, Moana and her grandmother on the uh-huh. boat. They're singing to each other and it's lovely. And Moana goes on this sort of like self-reflective, who am I journey. And then you see one boat from the ancestors float yeah. past and then they all start floating past. But what I really, really want to happen is for it to hold off just a little bit. Have the one that was like the lead boat sail past. Absolutely. But when the chorus comes in at the end, like the variant, I am one and everything sort of like explodes. That's when I want like the horizon to light up and all of these boats just start coming past. Like I just, uh, and that- she jumps in to get the heart. But she jumps in to get the heart. And it feels like if you, it feels like one repetition of that choral singing at the end could give you both of those moments. I won't lie. I find her singing that incredible note, then jumping into the water a little bit anticlimactic. Yeah. However, I completely understand why it has to happen. Yeah. I think when she comes up and realizes it's all gone and it's up to her now is yeah. a great moment. I think you can still have that. You just have one repetition of that choral singing and then you get the horizon lighting up and all these boats just coming out from the, the ocean and sailing past and let, giving her this support and then her realising that she has to do what she has to do, diving in on that second repetition, diving in, grabbing the stone, coming back up and realising she's alone. Yeah. I just think there's so much about this they get right the mm. manta ray exploding out under the boat, the boat's coming out, mm. her jumping up on the mast of the boat, oh. mm. even the way that the grandma is animated mm. and how she's got really soft feathered edges because she's not really there. Oh, Katie, help me here. I, I will defend the timing because one of my favourite parts of this at the end is because she says, like the call which was from the ocean, it's not out there, it's inside me, and that is all connected because her name is Moana which means ocean. So, you know, she's taught, like she kind of comes to this conclusion. This is how I interpret it, yeah. that the ocean is a part of her. Then she says, I am Moana, I am the ocean, am and jumps ocean, directly and into the ocean. She makes a good because point. Because it's, it's like this big circular coming together where like she, like in my head that's like her becoming a part of it mm. and jumping in there. There's a whole other thing with like ponemus and water and things like that as well. Um, sorry, the green stone. I... Had not made up my mind. I was very happy to be swayed by you people, and I'm very happy to change that to a five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. I will always imagine it the way that I want it, and it can live on in my memory or in my in, own insane world. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it, though. I am the ocean. I don't belong on the boat. I belong in the water. Like, get me in the – that's a really – yeah, great. Cool. Thanks for that. Can I uh, can I point out something that I find rather amusing? Uh, that no, I most I mostly tie to this song because it's just so great. There was there is a troll trademark group in America. Okay. Basically, what they do is they find out what they think is going to be a really big hit, and then they go to Europe and they trademark the name of the movie so that when they release the movie, <laughs> they have to change the title of the movie. Okay. They don't do right. anything with the name of the movie. They just trademark it. So when you get there, you have to change the name of the movie. Hmm. They're called Epic Stone. Right. And they successfully secured the words the Moana. They've also tried to get the Independence Day and the Ugly Betty. I don't know how successful they were with those, but they successfully got the Moana. And Disney was like, what the actual fuck? They lost. 
And so in Europe, this is how that song ends. Vajana. Vajana. In Europe, her name is Vajana. And all the dialogue in the English dub is exactly the same, but instead of saying Moana, they say Vajana. It it transfers out pretty pretty well. Vajana. Vajana. Now, in Italy, they had to change the title regardless. Her name is Vajana, but the name of the movie is called Oceana. Uh-huh. In Italy, there is an issue that there is a kids' TV host from the 80s into the 90s that also moonlighted as a very, very famous porn star. Uh-huh. Oh, dear. was Moana. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a fear that Italian children would Google Moana and see something very surprising. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know why they didn't keep the title of the movie Viana in Italy, mm. but they changed it completely to Oceana. Her name in the movie is Viana, and they leave it at that. And they've just tried to bury the Moana name in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Italy. Hey, kids, I torrented Moana. Let's watch it together. <laughs> <laughs> Our kids got a birthday party next week. They're watching Moana, apparently. <laughs> All right. So on that flat five note, we move to the final song that we're rating for this film, Know Who You Are, which I must say I think is one of the most beautiful moments in recent cinematic history. I have crossed the horizon to find you. I don't think I'll ever quite get over how good it looks. Uh, Every single shot we look at, I'm like, Jesus, there's something incredible happening. Here. Like magical. Her, just her feet on the wet sand is just, Jesus, yeah. So that's obviously a reprise of The Innocent Warrior. Mm-hmm. I just find that slow, it's uh, similar to what I say in our future episode, that slow motion of her walking towards Takar and her hair blowing in the breeze and just that complete lack of fear or hesitation she shows mm. and the calmness in her voice whilst Takar, muted, is like climbing towards her. And it's that, it's that contrast of absolute calmness and bravery in the face of complete and utter threatening danger. Mm. And musically, it's just... Gorgeous. It, re- it reminds me of like the start of Quiet in Matilda where you've got like Trunchbull yeah. in the background having yeah. a big yell. Yeah. 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 There's just something about it that's so powerful. Mm. That like narrowing in on somebody's like absolute intention. Yeah. And like just what's going on with them. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing to add. I think it's incredible. Okay. Um, so I'll just mention Takar. 
So Takal was originally called Tepo, uh, who was the Maori go- goddess of, of life. And she turned dark because her husband turned out to be her father. Real Greek tragedy stuff. Oh. And she was the goddess of night, death, and the underworld. But also she is very similar to the Hawaiian volcano goddess. So there's sort of two ways you can look at it. I think the, it's a combination of both given the Hawaiian version is a volcano goddess. The other one turned dark because mm. her heart was broken. Um, and then you tie in. Oh, the heart of Tefiti. Yeah. yeah. And then okay. you tie in the Maori mythology of go in and steal the heart mm. to bring mm. immortality to everyone. They've kind of like mushed all that together to mm. make this Jekyll and Hyde version of this, um, yeah. this okay. villain at the end. If you can call it the villain, I guess you can. Mm. The real villain was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave this five for music, lyrics, animation and contribution. I gave it a two and a half for cake. Mm. I think the moment is super memorable uh, more than the, the more song. More than the song maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm pretty much the same. Five for everything except for cake, which is three. Three, yeah. Just a stunning moment. And when she finishes and puts her head, her forehead together with Takar, oh, what a shot. Mm. I mean, I know it's animated, but what a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope those cartoonists got bonuses that day. <laughs> and yeah. that's like that's like the hongi, like yeah, yeah, the greeting where you oh, press right. your yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and it's just so ah, oh, there's just so much humanity about that moment, and it's just gorgeous. It's Ooh. absolutely gorgeous. The hongi, I couldn't remember the word. Thank you very much, Katie. That is all the songs from Moana. Ah, <sighs> that's a lot longer than a list we've had in a while. Mm. Mm. Yeah. They're all bangers. They're They're all all good. All bangers. Katie, do you have any final thoughts on any of the songs that we've spoken about? No, it's it's just such a great soundtrack. It is. I I, like part of me wishes there was like one like like Haka Energy song. Yeah. Like just like like a real high because so many of them like shiny all of the middle. Like they're so uh, mellow and meat in the middle. But yeah. I love that. But then it, I think that also highlights that Moana has all of the strength and the power in the soundtrack. So mm. um, go off Ali. I'm jealous as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to sound too much like a Sith Lord, which neither of you will recognize because you don't watch Star Wars, but uh, <laughs> we Star will Wars watch her thing. career with great interest. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see her in Mean Girls. I think she will kill it and mm. she'll be able to really get rid of the like nice new girl next door image that she carries. By being yeah. Janice, who's, you know, dark and edgy and you grungy. Know, grungy and cool. We all wish we were Janice. We all know we're Moana. <laughs> that's the that's also the end of my very extensive long list of notes. I think uh, just looking at it, we covered everything. So that's really good. While we discuss our winners for the night, it is time for everyone's favourite segment. Angie's Anecdotes. Angie and I kind of watched this semi-separately because we were doing stuff around the house as you do when you have a small child um, and we're sort of catching bits and pieces as we were coming in and out of a room. Um, And the only thing Angie really had to contribute to the conversation was about Maui. He has lovely hair and tats, but he needs to tone down the big dick energy. (laughs) So we have not one, but two winners of this episode. We do. And they are, you're welcome. And I am Moana. Cue the choir.
brings us to the end of another thrilling episode, episode number 34. Stick around for episode number 35 where we will be visiting the first fully animated, full-length theatrical sequel release. You struggled with that, <laughs> mate. Frozen <laughs> 2. <laughs> Shut up, Will. We've been recording for like freaking six hours. We have, My brain is we dead. Have. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining us on this episode. Did you have anything? Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime, anytime. Did you have anything you wanted to plug or anything upcoming that you wanted to talk about? No, not really, no. <laughs> Just happy to be here. Well, no, uh, happy to have you, mate. Happy to have you. And, to, and well, you usually do the sign-off, so I'll let you do that. I'll give you, uh, look, I'll let you do it. I did the cake score. You yeah. did the sign-off. Go on. Okay. Uh, well, uh, until next time when we join you for Frozen 2, listeners, I am Stackers. And I am Will. Bye. Bye. Powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.